Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. It is such a fantastic blessing, as always, and privilege to be able to share and go into some of God's Word with you this morning. Uh, it really is such a blessing for me to be able to do that. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, my name is Roland, and uh, we are in a series at the moment called Always on My Mind. And Shelley last week spoke about anxiety and fear. We're really in this series dealing with mental health issues. Uh, and this week, we're dealing with the biggie. This week, we're going to be speaking a little bit about depression and suicide. Uh, and I just want to say it really is an incredibly tough topic to speak into. It really is a difficult topic to open up about and be honest about. And the reasons for that are myriad. But some of them are just because it's such a sensitive topic to bring up. It's, it's, it's really difficult because there are no easy, simple answers. There's no one size fits all. There's no real quick fix to this issue that so many people deal with. It's also really difficult because of the pain involved and because of the stigma involved with mental health issues, particularly depression. And as soon as you move into the realm of suicide as well, it just becomes a whole another kettle of fish where it's really difficult and sensitive to speak about. Um, but, you know, as a church, we really feel that it's important to be speaking into these issues. We feel it's important to engage with one another. It's important to be open and to be transparent, uh, to be compassionate, to be sensitive and loving as we talk about these things. We can't be silent. We shouldn't be silent and we should be supporting one another. Hence the series. And uh, it really is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to speak about um, this topic today, despite how heavy it is, and I trust that you'll be blessed and that there'll be some encouragement for you from God's Word this morning. You know, all you really have to do is, is open up the Psalms, open up God's Word to the Psalms, and, and you see King David being open and honest, like we should be, about how he's feeling, about the emotions he's going through, the challenges that he's having emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. He's written a number of Psalms that speak about his heart and how he was feeling in specific seasons of his life. Being open and honest with God about his depression, his emotional strain, the mental struggles that he had as a result of circumstances in his life which led him to be emotionally drained. But it's not just David. Scripture also speaks about men like Moses, Elijah. There's a lady named Hannah. There's Job. There's Jeremiah. And even Jesus himself experienced really deep, dark emotional challenges, which we could describe accurately as depression. So much so that it led some of them to even want their lives to end. But the list doesn't end with biblical figures. Men such as Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, John Calvin, C.S. Lewis. John Piper and really countless others have all experienced and have testified to the fact that they've had seasons of real deep depression and darkness spiritually and emotionally. And I share, with, I share this with you, not flippantly, but to highlight the fact that depression has widely affected humanity for ages. It's not a new thing for us. But despite the prevalence of depression and despite the fact that so many Christians, biblical figures and fathers of the faith and mothers of the faith, despite the fact that they've really wrestled with these issues, there's still so many questions that Christians have with regards to this issue of depression and suicide. You know, questions such as how is it that Christians can suffer with depression? How is it that so many Christians battle and struggle with this mental illness? 
this mental and emotional challenge? How is it that we that we experience this so often within the church and in our lives as Christians? And and how is it that so many, not all, but many succumb to suicide as a result of their depression? And really to simply put it and to understate it, we live in a broken and fallen world. It's it's because Christians are human. It's because we're human and because of the fallen world we live in, there are things that we're exposed to, forces that are at work that act on our psyche, on our spiritual well-being, that cause us to succumb to issues like depression and some of us sadly even to suicide. Because of the broken world we live in, there are several factors that we can list. This is not an exhaustive list, but several factors. And most of the time, it's a combination of a number of these that lead to someone experiencing depression. Factors such as burnout. We live in such a busy world. It's just go, go, go. Very seldom is there time for rest and relaxation to recoup and to rejuvenate. And so burnout is one of those things. Anxiety, severe loss and grief. Sin, shame, physical illness. You know, experts say that a lot of depression is linked to heart surgery. That was certainly the case with my mother and my grandfather and some other people that I know. You know, postnatal depression, that was certainly the case with my wife Mandy, as she shared with you in her testimony. A lot of moms experience depression as a result or after giving birth, and that's complicated and difficult to understand, but it's very real. You know, hopelessness. Anger, isolation, and loneliness. These are all factors that contribute to someone experiencing depression. And uh, some people, even as a result of the depression, end up taking their lives. And then, you know, for some there's, and I don't understand this fully, but there are those with clinical depression. And really, there's just no explanation for it. There are no easy answers. The verdict is still out. Experts are still trying to understand it. But essentially, there just may be no rhyme or reason. There's no reason for you to be depressed. There's nothing for you to be upset about or anxious about or, you know, worried about. No real reason for you to want to end your life. It's just your brain isn't doing chemically for you what it needs to do. All of these factors, even the clinical depression side of things, all of it comes from living in a fallen and broken world. And then coupled to this is the very real reality of our arch enemy, Satan, and the forces of darkness in the heavenly realms that are daily warring against us. And I really think that as Christians, we should not underestimate the seriousness of the spiritual battle we're in. And I recognize that not all depression is the direct result of the forces of darkness at work in the spiritual realms and the enemy at work in our lives. But the enemy certainly will take every opportunity he can to jump on board, to get involved and to be as destructive as he can, even in your deepest moment of weakness. On this side of heaven, there really is brokenness. There's brokenness everywhere. The enemy is real, he is out, he's alive, he's running rampant, causing all sorts of destruction. Therefore, the need for a savior. But having said this, as we move on, I just feel like I need to clarify a few things. You know, whenever somebody takes their life, citing severe depression uh, as a reason, we've experienced that in our church community. Uh, many families in our church have experienced a loved one um, taking their life. Uh, and losing a loved one this way, regardless of of who it is and why it is that they take their life, it is a very sad, it is a very tragic, and it is an unnecessary action. 
In other words, suicide really is never the right option. It is never the way. It is never the option uh, or the solution or the answer to what it is that you're going through. But I do want to say this. For the person who has taken this last act of desperation, I want to assure you of this. God understands pain and God understands deep darkness of the soul in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine or fathom. Only God knows what was going on in the heart and the mind of that person when they thought that the only option was to end it all. We cannot begin to reason it or understand it. Only God knows and only God understands. The next thing I feel that needs to be said as we move on is for those of us who've never experienced or for those of you who've never experienced this deep depression or depression that is so deep that it's even led to suicidal thoughts. Those of you who've never experienced that, you need to know that the experience is very real. You may not always see it because people hide behind a smile. They hide behind a mask, a metaphorical mask. You may not even understand it at all, but it is real. I want to also say that depression is not a sin. And it's not always as a result of the lack of faith. You know, it really makes me upset when Christians, well-meaning Christians, try and rationalize this and go, well, you just lack faith. Depression is very real. Not all depression leads to suicidal thoughts. That's obvious and that's a given. But regardless, it is real. It's not a sin to be depressed. It's not as a, as a result of lack of faith. Instead, when someone is deeply depressed, especially when someone is so depressed that it leads to suicidal thoughts, it is a sign, it is an indication to us. It's a signal that something is wrong. Depression is not just sadness or sorrow. It's not just negative thinking. And I've often heard people say to people who are really depressed, just snap out of it. Just Change your mind. Just think about things differently. You know, if the person really could, they would. And so this complicated situation is complicated and it's not as simple as a quick fix answer. Depression is not just negative thinking or, or just being down. I heard one expert say being depressed is like walking barefoot on broken shards of glass. Someone else described depression. They said it like this. It's a persistent and anxious emptiness, a feeling of hopelessness and pessimism, a sense of guilt and, and worthlessness and helplessness, a loss of pleasure or interest in things that were once extremely enjoyable, restlessness, irritability, insomnia, early morning waking, or even constant oversleeping. The scriptures refer to depression as the plague that destroys at midday in Psalm 91. Depression really is, in a sense, a mental pain that forces itself upon you and against our will. No one that I know wants to be depressed. No one that has walked that journey enjoys being there. It's not a willful thought, nor is it always due to lack of faith, nor is it a sin. Again, it's a signal, it's a sign to us that something is wrong and we need hope. And we need help. And so what I really felt was from the Lord through me to you today 
was to do exactly that. Just to offer some help and some hope from God's word. To speak in to this issue. And please understand this for those who have suffered or who are suffering from, the pre- from depression. Please don't take this as me trying to uh, present some quick fix or solution or to underestimate or to negate the seriousness of what you're going through. Or me trying to throw some scriptures your way in an attempt to fix the problem. I recognize it is far more complicated than that. But there is help and there is hope. And I believe a lot of our hope is found in the truths and the word and the person of God. What I really want to do this morning is offer in a sense some tools in a toolbox that you can use. Not a quick fix solution. Things that will help you to hold on. To persevere. These tools are tools you can put into your toolbox of life and are biblically based and are God-given promises and truths. That will offer hope in the midst of your struggle struggle in a season and a time such as this. For some, these tools might prove to be the solution. Applying these and using these and thinking about these and uh, using these the way I believe God intends you to may result in you coming out of this season, this deep trough, this deep valley of darkness and depression. For some, it may be that your struggle with depression is longer. And there are seasons where it's just long and tedious. For some, your struggle with depression may be a lifelong struggle. But I want to say this to you. God will encourage you. The Lord Jesus is with you. And regardless of what your struggle with depression has looked like or is going to look like, I pray that you would receive encouragement and that you would receive a spiritual boost that you receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit today as we go through some of these points that I feel God wants to remind you of this morning. So the first tool I want to speak about when it comes to dealing with depression and managing this, and this was certainly true for me, is the tool of repentance. Now, that might sound a little bit cold and calloused, and I want to just say this. I, I recognize that not all depression is as a result of sin. Most certainly, not all depression can be blamed on someone doing something wrong, on your own sinful actions. But for some of us, the depression we face, and this again was true for me, the depression we feel is a result of something we have done wrong. Remember, depression is not a sin, but the root cause of your depression may be. This was true for King David. Remember, he... He slept with someone else's wife, Bathsheba, one of his mighty men. He took his wife and slept with her. She fell pregnant. He tried to cover it up. He got this guy drunk. That didn't work because he didn't go back home to sleep with his wife because he wanted to be with his men on the front lines of war where David was supposed to be but wasn't. So then David had him murdered. Because of that sin, David plunged into a deep season of depression and darkness. And in Psalm 32, verse 3 to 5, David testifies to this and he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And in 51, Psalm 51, David continues to speak about this experience. 
Moving on a little bit, he goes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be whiter, whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Church, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what you're struggling with. But I do know that what David experienced is what I've experienced as well in my own life. And pretty much what my wife Mandy shared with you was also her experience. There was this time when decisions we had made led to us experiencing deep spiritual darkness. For me, if you've been around church for some time, I don't have time to go into it now, but uh, as a young Christian, I fell into sin. Uh, I deliberately took a step into sin, into sexual sin, and as a result, I ended up in a really deep, dark place where I wanted to walk away. I wanted to walk away from my faith, walk away from the church. And uh, it was one of the toughest times of my life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And it was through repentance that I began a journey of restoration and healing. Repentance didn't fix the issue. Uh, There were still lingering scars and repercussions and consequences to my decisions, but it began a journey of healing. And I walked out of that trough and, and God picked me up out of the mire, as his word says, and restored me. He restored the joy of his salvation to me. And because of repentance, the journey out of depression began. And so I want to suggest to you and, and just hand to you today that maybe some of us are in that place because of decisions we've made. And you'll know it. You'll know what's going on in your life and whether you've made a decision to honor God that has led to you feeling depressed. I want to say to you, one of the first things you need to do is repent. For some of us, that's not the case. And so the second thing I want to just talk about is that we need to put on the full armor of God. And I know we hear that and it sounds very Christianese, but, but, but really don't leave the armor that God has given you to get dusty and rusted in the closet. The Bible says to us in 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now again, this isn't intended to be some quick fix or rudimentary cure for depression. And by no means am I suggesting that your depression is as a result of lack of faith or lack of spirituality. But what I am saying is no one goes into battle naked and unarmed. The depression in and of itself that you're dealing with, those thoughts that come for some of us with regards to our depression or as a result of our depression, that battle is tough enough in and of itself. And at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, we fight this spiritual war where the enemy doesn't care that you're weak. He doesn't care that you're broken. He doesn't care that you're struggling. In fact, it's the very thing he's looking for. God's word says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for the person who's weak, who's on the outside, who's unguarded, who's unarmed. He just looks to exploit our weaknesses. And those moments when we so desperately need help, he's looking for the weak ones to destroy. And yet, despite how we are feeling and despite what we're going through, we still sometimes choose to go into our days uh, or to go into each day and to go into the days that we face uh, unarmed 
unguided. Forget about the sword of the word or the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of the knowledge of our salvation, the belt of truth, the sandals of readiness. God has given us these things. They are metaphors for uh, the truths of God and they strengthen us. And I want to say, good job if you're doing that. It's one of the things you need to keep doing as you struggle through depression, as you struggle with thoughts as a result of your depression. Keep arming yourself with the armor of God. And if you're not doing that, I want to say, pull that out of the closet. Use this as a tool. It may not fix it, but it will certainly help you. We're going to go into war, church, on a daily basis. Whether we like it or not, we're in a spiritual battle. God's word says in Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, but against rulers, excuse me, against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're going to go into battle. Don't forget that. But in going to battle spiritually, don't forget to put on your armor. God has equipped you with resources. You're fighting one battle emotionally and mentally. Don't forget that you're in another one, but God has equipped you for that. And that armor that equips you spiritually will help you and sustain you to fight the other battle as well. Some of us are going to go into battle wounded. Some of us not so much. But we need to be there for each other. And regardless of whether you're wounded and weak or whether strong, none of us can afford to go into the battle we face daily unarmed and naked. The next tool I want to suggest and just bring that you can add to that toolbox is to remember. In the midst of your deepest, deepest darkness, remember that Jesus understands. Now, that might sound like some contrite religious statement that a preacher would make, but it really just is simply the truth of the matter. Jesus himself says in Mark 13, 34, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew what it was like, even though for him it might have been momentary. He knows what it's like to be there. He knows what it's like to be in the deepest, darkest valley. And remember God is with you always. Remember Jesus knows. And remember, regardless of whether you feel his presence or the comfort of his company, whether you feel it or not, remember he is there. One of the most encouraging scriptures for me in all of scripture is Psalm 139, 11 to 12. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. David is writing, he says, If I say, surely the darkness hide me. And the lights become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. I remember the deepest darkness I've ever experienced literally physically in my life was when I went on holiday with my family to the Kango Caves. And I remember being a little boy and experiencing the Kango Caves for the first time and just being overwhelmed by the enormity and the beauty and the majesty of that cave. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And at one point, they take you into the heart of the cave and then they switch off all the lights. And unless you've experienced that type of darkness, you can't quite explain it. It's a darkness that's almost tangible. It's like you can cut it with a knife. It is thick. It's not just the absence of light. It's like the darkness becomes consuming it's oppressive and heavy and that just might have been because of the humidity of the cave 
But there's this darkness that no matter how much you open your eyes, no matter what you try and do, there is just no ways you can see. And without light, if they had enough switched that light back on, there is no telling where to go. You are so disorientated. If you don't know that cave, if you have no light, there's a good chance that you'll get lost, fall, die. There is no ways you're getting out of there without light. And for some of us, and as I thought about that, I realized for some of us, that can be a very real metaphor and is a very real metaphor of where we're at spiritually. You've never experienced darkness like this before. You've never experienced disorientation like this before. You've never experienced helplessness and lostness emotionally and spiritually and mentally like this before. But I want to say this to you. In the midst of that darkness, although you can't see, God sees. When they switch that light back on in the Kango Caves, it's just this overwhelming sense of relief that you can now see and you can see the path and you can go. And I want to say scripture says that even the deepest darkness is as light to God. Your path may be hidden from you. You may be surrounded by thick darkness. You may be enveloped to the point where you are so confused and disorientated. You have no clue where you are. But God sees you. God sees the way. He sees clearly there's no confusion with him. There is no darkness for him. The darkness is as light to the Lord and he is with you. Remember that. Though you may not feel it, although it may be difficult to believe at times, it is the truth that the Lord is with you. Also in I love the fact that Shelley touched on this last week because it's so applicable for us today as well. Remember, remember what God has done. Cast your mind back to the faithfulness of the Lord. And for some of you, you may be going, what faithfulness? I just want to be honest and just feel like God has left me. I want to suggest this to you, even if it is your salvation at the very least. That is a miracle and a faithful working of God because of his grace and his love for you. That is beyond all the gifts of this world that could ever be given to you. The fact that you are a Christian suffering with depression and thoughts that you don't want to be struggling with, that you feel guilty about. The fact that you are a Christian and follow Jesus and have come to a place where you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, the King of glory, the one who rules and reigns over your life. The fact that you're even able to acknowledge that is a miracle and glorious in and of itself. Remember what Jesus did for you at the very least, even in saving you. But for some of us, there'll be moments and times and, and huge storehouses full of testimony that we can testify to and remember when it comes to the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and the glory of God in our lives. We've had breakthrough before. It is good to remember. It's not always good to long for the old days, but it is good to reminisce, to remember lest we forget the goodness and the faithfulness of God. That will help. You know, the book of Lamentations is a book of exactly that. It's a book of laments and moans and sorrowful crying out from people. Jeremiah specifically, scholars recommend, well, reckon that uh, Jeremiah was the one who wrote the book of Lamentations. And basically the context is he's sitting in the midst of what is left of Jerusalem, the city. The city's in ruins. He's sitting in the midst of total destruction in the middle of this broken down city. And he begins to lament and cry out to God. And here's what he says, chapter 3, 14 to 26. He says, I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. 
He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah's example is that in the midst of all that could possibly possibly be going wrong and what could possibly be called the deepest, darkest time of his life, he remembers and calls to mind the goodness, the faithfulness, the graciousness and the relentless love of God. May recalling the goodness of God to do the same for you, fill you with hope. And the next point and next tool I want to just add to this toolbox that I suggest, uh, that I'm suggesting for you today is just to be wait, to be, to, to wait, to be patient and to embrace time. I know it's easier said than done, but Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to plant, there's a time to uproot, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. Whether we like it or not, these are rhythms and cadences of life. And sometimes that wave, that trough is going to be lower or shallower and shorter. Sometimes it's going to be longer and deeper. But there are seasons that we get into and get out of. And it's really going to be unhelpful for you to rush this. And that might sound weird. We don't desire for you to be in those seasons for long times. But you need to allow yourself to grieve, to mourn, to struggle, to tear and then to mend. Allow yourself to work through inner and outer struggles. Allow yourself to be in the emotional emotional place you're in and the spiritual place you're in. Don't be hard on yourself. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemies and our own worst critics. Don't be hard on yourself. Allow yourself time to grieve. Time doesn't fix everything, but certainly through the passage of time, there are sometimes new perspectives we gain. And after time and after we're able to look back in hindsight, we're able to see some of the real beauty that comes out of the ashes. But just give yourself time. In Psalm 41 to 3, David understands this and he's writing, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. There's the hope that you have. But David waited patiently for the Lord. He put a new song in my mouth, David says, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Then in Psalm 130, David says, out of the depths I cry to you. I want, to know, I want you to notice where David is crying from. He's crying out of the depths. He says, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. David understood what it meant to wait patiently. We read over that and we just gloss over that. But David explains in Psalm 130 what he means by waiting. He waited more than watchmen wait for the morning. 
What that means is there were temple guards used to guard the temple in Jerusalem. And there were those who had the night shift and they would be there from sunset to sunrise. And they would be there rain or snow, wind, calm weather, cold, warm, regardless. They would stand guard and guard the temple. And you can imagine them wanting to go home to the comfort of their homes, to their families. You can imagine when it's cold, windy, rainy. They stand in there having to keep guard and they watch for the sunrise because they know it's sunrise. They're going to be released from their duty and they get to go home. David says, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, so my soul waits for the Lord. And in his word, I put my hope. David says, Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned and heard my cry. Wait patiently for the Lord. Don't be hard on yourself. Wait on the Lord. And the fifth one is that you're part of a church community. Walk in Christian community. You're part of a church that understands. As a church, we have no interest in brushing stuff under the carpet. We have no interest in coming together and pretending like everything's okay and everyone's okay and it should always be okay all the time. There are times when it's well with our soul, but not every day. Not for everyone and not all the time. And we admit to that. So please, if, if you're struggling, remember that you're part of a church community that cares. There are people that care. We know we have resources and people we can connect you with. We love you. We want to be a family. If you're struggling, don't isolate. If you're struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts, don't isolate because that's the knee-jerk reaction. And I don't say that to condemn you, but it certainly was for me. I just wanted to get away I wanted people to leave me alone. I wanted to be alone. I didn't want anybody to know. And really loneliness is the enemy of recovery when it comes to depression. You will not make it through by yourself, at least not in a healthy way. You need Christian community. We're not designed, as we know, through this COVID season, we're not designed to be alone. And I think a lot of us are struggling as a result of that. I want to acknowledge that. Some of us are experiencing deep bouts of depression because we've been isolated from each other for so long. Don't withdraw. Don't isolate. Don't hide. Be transparent. Let's speak about this and let's be forthcoming. Let's journey as a family the way that we're supposed to. Let's not just give lip service to that idea, but actually start living it out. Walking in Christian community helps us battle grief and despair and depression and anxiety, sin and isolation, anger and all sorts of other distortions that come our way because of the world we live in. The last thing I want to mention as a tool for this morning is to take extra care of your physical needs. Now, this might seem very simple and I don't want to uh, judge anybody here or be misunderstood here. But I think looking after our physical bodies is important when it comes to how we feel emotionally and how we operate mentally and spiritually. I think we need to be trying to exercise whenever, however we can. And if you can't exercise, I realize there are people for many different reasons who can't, try get outside. Even if it's just to sit outside in the sun, even if it's just to enjoy nature, but try to get outside. I think we need to try and eat responsibly now. Again, I realize that this is a very sensitive topic and I'm not talking about extreme diets and I'm not talking about dieting to lose weight and I'm not talking about expensive diets and a whole big complex meal plan. I'm just saying eat responsibly. I think what we put in is certainly what we get out and I know from myself here, 
big time. I am the church's biggest comfort eater. And it's become a real uh, warning sign for me. And I've, and I've learned to recognize those red flags in my life. When, when, I, when I start eating whatever, whenever, as much as I can, as often as I can, when I start to really crave comfort food, it's a warning sign for me that something is wrong. And it's not to say I can't enjoy good food and that I don't enjoy a pizza or a hamburger and some chocolate and chip. I mean, the Lord knows that I do and so does my family. But when that starts to become a comfort thing for me, I realize I'm suppressing something I should be dealing with. And I think we need to learn to recognize it. And so I'm saying I think we just need to eat a little bit healthier as one of the tools that can help in this. Talking about making wise decisions, make sure we're getting enough sleep. Don't avoid medication. You know, the sleep issue, there are some people who can function on four hours of sleep, but they are far and few between. They're like those extreme athletes whose hearts are bigger than the rest, whose lung capacity is bigger than the rest. No matter what you try and do, you're not going to keep up with them. Some people can just function on little sleep. But for most of us, we need a good night's rest when we can get it. Also, like I said, don't avoid the medication. You know, for some reason, there's a stigma attached to medicating yourself for a mental struggle or disorder or issue that you're facing but we take medicine for so many other ills and ailments you know it frustrates me when christians will say to other christians you shouldn't be on on medication for your depression because it's a faith issue just because you can't see depression and it doesn't present like a normal illness like the flu or cancer or bronchitis or whatever else doesn't mean medication isn't necessary Get the medication. Get the help that you need. It may not be forever, but it may help you. Don't be afraid to ask or talk about it or get that help. Our body is a temple and we need to take care of it. Sometimes these things will help. Looking after our physical needs, I think, is one of those things. And that's really all I wanted to talk about this morning with regards to what I feel can help in this season. I want to wrap up by saying this to all of us. Whether you've experienced depression or not, whether you're going through depression, whether you um, have been there for a long time or not, I would just say this to all of us. We need to acknowledge that this is a very real thing. Depression is is real and, 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 and sometimes we know why a person is depressed and sometimes we don't. We don't need to understand it is the next thing that I want to say to us as a church. You just need to know that it is real for the person going through it. And unless you've experienced it, you really don't know how much of a struggle this really is. For example, I have never had cancer before. And so I don't know what it is like to wake up after having weeks of chemotherapy to see my hair lying on my pillow. I don't know what it's like to feel my body processing essentially what is poison they put in you to kill the cancer. I don't know what it's like to be vomiting day in and day out and being weak and losing muscle mass and body mass because you're too tired and weak to do anything because of the chemo you're taking. I don't know what that's like, but I know it's real. And I can be there to love and to support. I can be there to pray and to encourage, but I don't know. And the same with depression. I want to say to those who are struggling with depression, the good news is that there is help and there is hope. And in the worst case scenario, what you're going through can be managed. But most of all, I would say this to us. Let us be a church community. Please let us be a church community that is sensitive 
that is patient, a church that is loving and understanding, and a church that stays engaged with the needs of those around us, who walk alongside people in our community, that let, a church community that leads always with the truth and the love and the compassion of Jesus. You know, you take the power of God at work within you, you take good, godly, close friends, and you take a good, close, godly church community that cares for you, and you blend those three together, and you really have a recipe for hope and encouragement and breakthrough. Too many people go down this road alone. Too many people go down this road without Jesus. Too many people go down this road without speaking about it. And I want to say to you, let's open up and let's honor one another And let's be there for one another. The best thing that I can leave you with this morning are are words from the greatest giver of words, the, the giver of the greatest truths and encouragement and love to have ever walked to this earth. Here's what Jesus has to say to you today for those who are struggling with depression and perhaps even suicidal thoughts as a result of your depression. Come to me, Jesus says. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let us pray together. Father God, we recognize you as the author and perfecter of our faiths. We recognize you as a supreme physician, as a supreme surgeon, psychiatrist and psychologist, counselor and best friend, the best father, the one who knows us inside and out. And I want to pray that Jesus, as the healer of our souls, as the creator of our beings, as the one who knows us inside and out, as the one who has darkness appear to him as light, won't you come and bring your healing balm and your healing soul and rub that onto the hearts and minds of people who are suffering and are struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, God. Regardless of whether they are thoughts of suicide or not, God, I pray that you would come and bring healing. Bring it the way that only you can. I pray for victory in Jesus' name. I pray for encouragement in Jesus' name. For hope and life in abundance in Jesus' name, I pray. God, create us to be a church full of people that speak the truth in love and love people compassionately with a fervor and a vigor, Lord Jesus. To see people restored, to see people loved and walked with and encouraged. I pray for that in your name. And Lord, may we be a church community that is open that breaks down the stigma and the barriers. A church that honors you as it loves one another. I pray for that in Jesus' name. And may people find healing today in Jesus' name from this grip that they're in. And for those, Lord, who have been struggling for a long time, give them a resolve, give them a strength, and empower them by the Spirit to endure. Use them for your glory. Restore to them the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Church, bless you. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you do need ministry, please contact our church. Please contact our church on 0827121218. The number should be on the bottom of your screen. Phone Michelle. Speak to one of the pastors. 
book a prayer session with us. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to chat with you. Please don't avoid ministry. It is so terrible that we can't be face to face with one another. Otherwise, ministry could happen straight away. But please don't miss out on the opportunity of connecting with us. Uh, so we can pray for you. Be open and honest. Connect with someone. Talk about what you're going through. And let's be a church that journeys this thing well together. In Jesus' name, bless you and have a great rest of your Sunday. Bye.